Hi everyone, I'm your host, Corinne Stone, and welcome to my new podcast, Mouthful. First and foremost, I wanted to apologize for the delay in last Sunday's episode. Something came up and I didn't have the heart to record at the time, but I hope giving you two episodes today will make up for it. On today's episode, I was originally going to talk about physical health and my physical journey, but I have decided to make this and I can't afford to not want to kill myself part two. It was requested specifically, and I felt that it was important for me to address some concerns that you guys had, and because I haven't recorded anything quite yet for the physical journey, I thought I would take the time to do this for you. One of the biggest concerns from others was, why did your mom leave the hospital so quickly? Why didn't she want you to come home? There are a few other questions I will be addressing, but before I continue, I just wanted to say that I know the article that I read aloud on the last episode was upsetting. I wrote that a little over two years ago, as I keep tending to reiterate. However, when I wrote it, it was only two months after I had made that attempt. It was fresh. And if I'm being completely honest, I was still very angry at the world when I wrote it. I had a little more compassion for myself towards the end, but I was so angry at everyone and everything. It wasn't until I moved back out three months later after my attempt that I started to feel less angry. After I got out, I asked my mom why she left the hospital so quickly. It was only then that I was made aware that the associates from the hospital forced her to leave. She told me she tried staying until she had at least confirmation that I was okay, but they insisted that she needed to go home and that they would not be able to tell her about the state I was in until I was discharged. She didn't want me to come home because she wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to try and do what I did a second time. A few other things that I personally wanted to address were When speaking with CPS, they asked me the most bizarre questions. I know CPS stands for Child Protection Services and that they wanted me to possibly bring awareness to any abuse that I may have been experiencing, but the questions they asked were outrageous and just straight up disrespectful. It felt anything less than protective. Now, disclaimer before I continue, I was not abused. But any question that they asked me, they asked me again, but with different wording to try and get me to slip up. And it was nowhere near being helpful. And in my personal opinion, I think that majority of CPS workers are evil. And I think most nurses are evil. I know just like with any line of work, there are going to be good and bad people, but this was 
possibly one of the worst experiences I have ever had with healthcare workers. I know someone in my family who works for CPS and I know they adopted a young girl before she reached foster care. But I also know way more people who were in foster care and I know how they were treated. I know how they grew up and how many homes they had been switching from five to 10 and didn't even get to keep any of their belongings. I know many who were abused or sexually assaulted. I know many foster families just do it for the money. Not only do I have friends who grew up in foster care, but family and coworkers. And you probably know a lot more people who grew up in foster care than you're aware of. When I was in the hospital, I was treated very poorly and they did not even try to hide it. Majority of these people do not have empathy and majority of the people in this line of work should just not be here. How are you going to be in a line of caring for people when you don't care for people? Why would a CPS worker tell me that my mom wants me gone? Why would you tell me that I don't deserve to go home after what I just did? When that nurse was helping me change into my scrubs, my arm wasn't just bruised because I was bending it and I had a catheter there. It was because the nurse was not being gentle, even with knowing why I was there. She was hurtful, not only with shoving my arm through my sweater, but with her words. Even when I had just gotten there, they put me into a wheelchair in front of my mom, but when we got behind those double doors, they made me walk. Do you know how difficult it is to walk when you are almost unconscious? I was shoved around and stared at and isolated completely by myself. I even mentioned having to drink charcoal and they never even gave me a glass of water even after I had been discharged. And while I was drinking the charcoal, I mentioned in the previous episode, it took me several hours to finish. Someone would come in once in a while and tell me, you're still not done. You need to hurry up and drink it. And I understand maybe it was a sense of urgency, but why would you deliver it in a way as if I was a burden for being there when I already felt like a burden for being there. Group therapy was great because of the other people that I met there, excluding my therapist. And in my opinion, it's way better than being singled out in a session one-on-one. You're with other people who are comfortable with sharing these raw emotions, not afraid to break down and even pat your back when it's your turn, just to let you know that you can do it. But the therapist... Yeah, she was a waste of my fucking time. And she knew exactly what she was doing. She knew what insurance would cover and she knew what insurance didn't. And she still made me play a game of tag. And I missed every single session out of those eight week program. She never stuck to her word and just wasted my time. Gave me false hope. And I know she gave me a free session. Well, at least that's what she said. But later on, I found out that was also in another bill that I had received later on after already being charged $14,000. 
When we called the hospital, she lied and said they would never give a session for free. So not only did she waste my time, but she was a fucking liar. And I know it still sounds like I'm angry for what I experienced. I know when I genuinely think about it, I am, but not for me. Not at least anymore. But I am angry for other people who I know are going through what I went through right now. All I can really do about it is share my experiences and hope that they can reach someone out there so they don't feel as alone. And although I'm no licensed therapist or psychologist, I do know that sharing experiences are far more helpful rather than just simply talking to someone about yourself who has maybe never even once experienced a sadness so deep that they no longer wanted to be alive. Any therapist I have ever had was worse than the last. I had my first therapist in fifth grade and then sixth, seventh, eighth, all of the way up to my senior year of high school. A different one each year and they never got better. The one I had my senior year stuck out to me the most in particular. She asked me what were a few topics that I didn't want to discuss and anything that I ever tried to set boundaries for, she crossed. If I can share one example that I remember specifically, I told her that there was someone in my family who really hurt me and I didn't think that I could ever forgive them, at least not right now. I told her I didn't want to talk about it, mostly because it was just so painful for me at the time And in that moment, I just was not ready. I let her know that I didn't think that I felt love for this person anymore, which meant a lot to me at the time, considering that they are a part of my family. I know now, as I am older, your blood relation has no meaning if the person does not reciprocate feelings such as love, kindness, care. If that person hurts you, Especially more than once, it is no longer a mistake. It is a decision. But every session that I was present for, she asked me the most inappropriate questions. Do you know why they left? Is it because you are unlovable? Is it because they're better than you and they love them more than you? Followed by cruel statements. I don't think you will ever experience a loving relationship with this person. Maybe it's you. It has been since then that I have seen a therapist. Then a year later, I made that attempt, tried group, and if it wasn't for everything else, it may have worked out for me. But it didn't. There has also been an instant when I finally made the decision to get on antidepressants for the first time. When I went, I told the doctor that I wanted to try a medication that gave me less suicidal thoughts. Isn't that super fucked up? You want to kill yourself, so you take medication, and the medicine makes you want to kill yourself. And when looking at my record, it shows that I had been in the hospital recently due to a harmful event, and he actually told me, He thinks I need a bit of a higher dosage, which was the exact opposite of what I wanted and had asked for. It was my first time taking medication like this, and he was not respecting my wishes whatsoever. When I almost exhausted myself trying to explain my deep concerns for what the medicine might make me feel, 
He said, okay, I'll prescribe you this. When I went to the pharmacist to pick up my medication, he sent over the one he originally tried to convince me to take. I ended up just taking them because my pharmacist and my doctor were an hour away from me at the time, and I just felt so defeated at this point. I ended up taking the antidepressants for about three months or so, and I had little to no emotions. And I felt so much worse. Like, I actually felt like at one point I was just never going to get better. And not in the way that I had felt before, but ten times worse. I could not necessarily feel sadness, but I never once felt happiness. And it was very difficult for me to laugh. I felt like a zombie. And not only do I have nightmares frequently, I don't know when they started exactly, but the medicine actually made it worse. And now the nightmares are all I have, which is why I tend to never sleep often. I'm either up late and I'm up early, and sometimes I just never go to sleep. If there's one thing that I constantly make jokes about, it's the saying, if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. Not that I want to go into new things with the mindset that I have to do everything by myself, because I think it's an amazing thing to be able to ask for help when you need it, But to understand that it is possible to achieve things on your own when it comes down to it is a mindset that I wish everyone had. So I started my own healing journey. And it isn't as easy as I have ever made it look. Again, I'm still struggling. And I mean, I skipped last week's episode because I was dealing with something mentally And I try to be the most transparent on social media as I can be because I want to be honest. But if there's one thing that I constantly have to remind myself is that people only show you what they want you to see. You see people at the Bahamas, but you don't know if they even paid for that trip. You don't know if they did pay for that trip, but now they're broke by doing so. People post pictures of the beach, not their bank account. One time I saw someone share a live photo and not that I'm trying to, you know, young explain anything to anyone, but when you hold down a photo, if it's a live photo, it shows the actions that happen after you take the picture. And someone shared a live photo of their family who looked super happy for someone's birthday. And as soon as the picture was taken, everyone's smile completely disappeared off of their faces people smile at you but their thoughts can be harmful serial killers can attest to that people only show you what they want you to see so although i post healthy coping mechanisms it doesn't mean that i don't have unhealthy coping mechanisms i still have trauma responses I will shut down completely if I feel like someone's tone of voice changed, even just the slightest, and I will completely isolate myself. I also have sensory issues that I'm trying to work through, where if a sound is repetitive, I start to feel agitated. Like if someone keeps chewing with their mouth open or keeps clicking their pen for 10 minutes straight. I don't show people the ugly sides of me often. I try to, 
but I still have things that I'm ashamed for. I still have my flaws. Everyone does. And if there is anything I have learned about others the most is there is almost no one out there completely satisfied. Everyone wants something that they do not have. Brunettes want to be blonde. Blondes want to be brunette. I can attest to that. People are out here gaining weight and others are trying to lose some. Anything is possible, so I'm not saying that there isn't someone out there who feels content with their life. I'm sure there is, or at least someone that claims to be, but you never know. As cliche as it sounds, it's kind of like that saying where you can say LOL over text, but you didn't laugh, and how someone can say that they love you, but don't actually mean it. Someone can say anything and never be living up to it. Moral of the story, you just never know. You can think you know, but believing anything to what you deem to be true is all just leaning on faith. And I'm not referring to religion. But if you are in a relationship, someone can tell you they love you, and you can believe them, but they could also be cheating on you. And this doesn't mean to never believe anyone or anything, but don't always be deceived by things such as a vacation in Italy picture that someone posted. They could easily be laying in their bed crying while trying to think of a caption to make it seem like they are quote-unquote living their best life. Now that I have seemingly gone on a tangent, my main point of this episode was to exploit the healthcare system and how truly fucking awful a lot of these people are. Again, why do you care for other people when you don't care for other people? Is it for the money? You're happy and can go to bed at night knowing you are keeping someone else up? Making someone question if life is worth living. Are you here to make someone else question on why they are? And I can share a long list of examples on why healthcare workers are pieces of shit out of mental health as well. My mom gave me permission to actually share an instant where just recently she was in a lot of pain and went to the emergency room to see what was going on. She stated that while she was getting blood work, that five different nurses were trying to do the blood work. They couldn't find a vein, and the last nurse still couldn't figure it out and was wiggling a needle into her arm where it punctured the vein and made a huge knot. They kept missing, and I shit you not, one of the nurses made a comment saying, wow, that sure is going to be a pretty big hematoma. And my mom stated that not one of them apologized, and they did this to both of her arms. Guess how much it would have been if my mom had insurance? And yeah, you heard me correctly, had 38000 dollars another example this being one of my mom's best friends when covid broke out severely the second time i believe it was her and her husband went to the er because her husband's oxygen level was very low and the doctor was trying to give him medication that is prone to causing kidney failure so they went to another hospital because they refused to take something so damaging to his body 
especially considering the state that he was in. And the doctor said, and I quote, I advised against that, but good luck not dying on your way there. Why the fuck are you saving lives that you don't care about? Unfortunately, I don't know if there's anything that I could ever do in this life to change the healthcare system, such as physical. But this episode is to more so try and help others truly grasp how much we should want to make a change when it comes to mental health. I want to somehow create some sort of nonprofit for people who are genuinely struggling with asking for help. Or if you just need somewhere to be for a certain amount of hours, like for kids who are in foster care, kind of like the Big Brothers Big Sisters organization but also like a free AA meeting, but for depression. Why would I need all of that money just to help others talk about their feelings or to just be able to meet somewhere and be with people who understand you and what you are going through? There is more that goes into this idea that I have created, but it just fucking breaks my heart. I'm glad that there is free group for alcoholism or grief But why not for someone who is wanting to end their life? Because you can't see it? And why aren't more people focusing on foster care children? You ban abortions because you care about lives that haven't even started. But you don't care about the ones that have? You care about the children who aren't here. But what about the ones that are? You will adopt someone's child to avoid them getting an abortion, but what about the kids that have been waiting for a family, that have been waiting for years, if not their whole life? You want more people to bring more babies into this world, but you don't even care about the ones who already are. It makes no sense to me. People we need most in emergencies are the ones who make it the most impossible to get help. But this is something that I plan to work towards for the near future. Thank you guys for listening to part two of I Can't Afford to Not Want to Kill Myself. I did want to take a moment to say that I will be linking a few charities that help foster children, as well as a program that you can sign up for, which I mentioned previously, Big Brothers, Big Sisters. If you are willing to take the time to possibly change someone's life, there are a few steps that you need to take such as get a background check. Obviously, that's common sense. But if you are okay with being background checked and going through some extra steps for an organization like this, I don't think you will regret it. One of my coworkers is doing it and he is beyond excited. I know Leah and I have also talked about it as well. And I know a few other people who are looking into it. I think it would be a very neat thing to do and experience not only for yourself, but for whoever you get paired up with. Take that step. We all have 24 hours. How are you going to spend yours? Thank you again, everyone, for tuning in. I hope you're hungry for seconds. Bye, everyone. See you in a couple hours.